The scripture reading today is from the book of Isaiah and the Acts of the Apostles. A reading from Isaiah chapter 56. Do not let the foreigner join to the Lord say, the Lord will surely separate me from his people. And do not let the eunuch say, I'm just a dry tree. For thus says the Lord, to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. And now a reading from Acts chapter 8. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home, seated in his chariot. He was reading the prophet Isaiah. The word of the Lord. Take a moment now for silent reflection. Gracious God, we ask now that you meet us however we find ourselves this morning after such a traumatic week. Help us to know that we can right now rest and just be and breathe and to know that you are as close to us as our breath. And so be with us now as we listen, as we learn that difference belongs in your family. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Audrey Lord, it is not our differences that divide us. It is our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate those differences. The word of the Lord. Get it? Be the word of the Lord. The word of Audrey Lord. Okay. You guys are a little slow on the uptake right now. I just want to say that was not that hard. I mean, all right. So throughout Acts, you have such a great thing to say, right? I mean, it's, it's our inability to recognize, accept, and celebrate those differences. And that's really what the book of Acts is about. It's about a group of people who are learning to celebrate difference. That God's expansive call and God's expansive journey that he calls us all to be on with God, with the Holy Spirit leading the way, is more expansive than we can imagine. And this is what happens in the book of Acts over and over and over again. How good is this good thing, this new good news? Is it really good news for everyone and just not my tribe? Is God for those who are different from me? And this is why we've called this sermon series, Longer Tables, Shorter Walls. And it takes us today to a road leaving Jerusalem, to Philip standing there trying to decide whether to baptize this eunuch from Africa. The eunuch wants to know more about Jesus. Luke also tells us about the eunuch is headed home to Ethiopia. And what we learn in the narrative is that God intentionally sent Philip to this person. Welcome to the Spirit of God on the loose. 
And now Philip has a choice to make. Rob Bell points out in his book, Jesus Wants to Save Christians, quite the good title. He says, according to the law, a eunuch is excluded from the assembly. The law is very clear on that point. As a Jew, Philip should have viewed the eunuch as, quote, damaged goods, unquote, and refused to baptize him on that basis. If Philip baptizes the eunuch, he will be breaking a serious rule, a rule that determined your standing with God. This is the tension throughout the early church. What do you do when your religion isn't big enough for God? Such a good question. What do you do when your rules and codes and laws simply aren't enough anymore? What do you do when your system falls apart because the new thing that God is doing is better, beyond, superior, more compelling? This isn't just a tension for Philip. It's one of the central struggles of the early church. For Philip, the eunuch's question about baptism raises a far deeper set of questions about what it even looks like to follow God. And so Philip is in this conundrum. Because he knows his Old Testament. He knows the purity codes, the very ones he watched Jesus self-consciously violate throughout his ministry by touching lepers and bleeding women and Samaritans and others, always bringing the outsider in. So Philip has this in his mind. Will he discern right now what to do by looking through the lens of those purity codes or the lens of the resurrection and the new creation Jesus is bringing about. Philip's faith is evolving in real time as he considers what to do. This is a picture in some ways, I believe, of the spirituality that Jesus set up. Evolving, ongoing curiosity, as we say each week, guidance of the Holy Spirit to be led into all truth. Maybe Philip remembered Jesus not only acknowledged the existence of eunuchs, I mean, went so far as to commend those, actually, who modeled their lives after them. In Matthew 19, Jesus actually said, For there are eunuchs who have been so from birth, and there are eunuchs who have been made eunuchs by others, and there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the sake of the kingdom of heaven. Let anyone accept this who can. So maybe Philip's thinking that. And maybe the eunuch was reading Isaiah in this passage because just three chapters over from the Isaiah passage that the eunuch apparently is reading is what we saw Kelly just read a few moments ago. Where it says about eunuchs, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. Who knows? Or maybe the eunuch pointed out those verses promising life for them. And Philip suddenly had an epiphany. This is what we know. Philip put on his resurrection glasses, the lens of this new creation, and baptized that eunuch on the spot. Right then and there. I mean, welcome to the wild and woolly world of the new creation where African eunuchs get baptized in the nearest puddle of water. So I wonder this morning, as you read the story and hear me summarize it for you, Who do you identify with in this story? Do you identify perhaps with the eunuch? Maybe you have felt or maybe you are part of a marginalized group because of your skin color, your socioeconomic status, your genetic makeup, your bodily difference, your sexual orientation or gender identity. Perhaps you are like the eunuchs who have been so from birth, as Jesus put it, and you're intersex. You feel on the outside. 
And feeling on the outside always feels one way, horrible. And so now let's listen to some members of our LGBTQ community who have their stories of how they experience exclusion, but also how they have stories of belonging and transformation as they sought welcome and embrace. Thanks so much, Fred, and good morning to everyone. Uh, my name is Emily McGinley. Uh, if you talk about me, you can use the pronouns she, her, and hers. And I am super excited to be able to say that I am your incoming senior pastor um, in, a, in a couple of months. Um, and so I'm really glad to be able to join you all from Chicago and especially with um, this phenomenal panel of folks um, who are here and ready to share a little bit about their story with you um, and the ways that they have. Uh, both found um, uh, exclusion, but also maybe more importantly, belonging and transformation um, in the life of, of um, God's people. And so uh, I'd love to sort of hear who's with me here. So I'm going to invite, we'll, we'll go by mutual invitation since we can't like go around the table. So I'm going to invite uh, Wing, if you would be willing to maybe um, share your name, your pronouns, how long you've been coming to City Church. Yes, of course. Yeah, my name is uh, Wing. He can pronouns. I've been coming to City Church since uh, last summer, so it's about a year right now. Amanda, would you like to go? Sure. Yeah. Hi, everyone. My name is Amanda. I use she, her pronouns. I've been coming to City Church since September of 2020. And Andrew, please. And I'm Andrew. I use he, him pronouns, and I've been coming to City Church since fall of 2019. Happy Pride, everyone, by the way. Happy Pride. That's right. Yeah. That's a Pride Sunday. And so I don't know if all of you, if our panel will actually be there in worship. <laughs> if you're going to be out worshiping in God's sanctuary out in the streets, could you share a little bit about your context growing up as a person of faith or not? Where did you find spaces for belonging? Um, and where maybe did you have a hard time finding space for belonging, how were you able to to grow spiritually? This question is interesting to me because I am bi. And so I think for a lot of my life, it was kind of an ignorance is bliss kind of thing where because I liked guys, I had crushes on guys, I didn't um, recognize like my sexuality as something that wasn't, it was something other than straight. Um, I also had like intense feelings towards close girlfriends that I just like did not recognize as crushes. Um, and so I didn't really feel like I didn't belong in those spaces. Um, it was more of just like when I started, I, I really like to read. Um, and so I would read the Bible a lot, just like on my own. Uh, every Saturday we would go to like uh, prayer meetings at church and the prayer meetings were often in like um, Malayalam, which is um, language that my parents, my family speak that I don't really understand. Um, so I would spend those nights just like reading the Bible. And so like I knew mostly what the Bible, what I thought the Bible said in the way that I was taught to read the Bible um, pretty literally and so it wasn't really like you know people were giving me the message that being gay was bad it was just that that was the message I was picking up for my own understanding of the bible um and uh I think I just did a really good job of like self-policing myself for a long time uh, I was very much in a context where I just like didn't know why people existed um I didn't know any bi people or like queer people personally um and I still was queer and I just like didn't come out to myself until um, college when that became more apparent for me. Uh, and so with that, but even before that started happening, I like would ask questions to um, my friends that were uh, Christians and like in church spaces of like, 
what are what do we do about gay people um so like to answer the question of like growing spiritually in the context where that wasn't like readily apparent um I essentially made like a syllabus for myself um and I had like a couple themes that I like looked into uh in terms of I based it off of like the Micah 6 8 verse so I had themes of like act justly love mercy walk humbly um I looked into things like church tradition and scripture and like racial 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 reconciliation um and sexuality was like one of the themes I looked into um and over the course of my doing that I kind of changed my mind about um being gay and being Christian and like what that meant beautiful thank you so much Andrew tell us a little bit about your journey there were a lot of things about Mandy's story that really, really resonated with me. In college, you know, I started to really come to terms a little bit more with this piece of my identity, which was my sexuality. And so, you know, by my coming out process probably took like two or three years. <laughs> by the time I graduated college, I was like, I'm gay. And so this being caught between two worlds was like, I'm gay. I'm Christian. And yet in neither space do I feel, really feel like both things are fully embraced. Um, I think that, you know, in spiritual spaces, the fact that I was gay made me other. I think when I was in queer spaces, the fact that I was Christian made me other. In either, in either space, really, it really felt like in both of my communities, I was kind of an, an outlier. And so what that really forced me to do was be a little bit more independent about, you know, the spiritual journey that I was on and, and spiritual journey, I mean, in terms of both faith, but also like, just kind of like exploring and understanding my own, um, identity. One of the things actually that was coming to mind was, um, I am, I just finished Hannah Gadsby's, um, book, um, 12 steps to Nanette. And she talks a lot about sort of like she's going through her own story and then she she'll kind of have these moments like throughout where she'll say like, stop, you know, and then describe what's happening in the like political zeitgeist around, you know, arguments around um, homosexuality, the which was criminal until the 90s in, in Tasmania where she was and um, and sort of describing that, like kind of like what you were saying when you were growing up that these are the conversations that were happening around her, right? Like it wasn't necessarily even happening in her home, but these were conversations that she was hearing and sort of absorbing and taking her cues from, right? In terms of like what's safe and what's not um, and what areas of her mind is she going to allow herself to have um, internal conversations around and like allow herself to like think about um, and so that sort of that self-policing happens. It just sort of just it reminded me as I heard both of you kind of a lot of that happens implicitly. Right. It could be explicitly, but it also just like you kind of pick up these snippets here and there and you take these cues of like what's OK and what's not OK. And um, and that that stuff is is really deep because it's it's the stuff that sort of formulates the fabric fabric of our inner minds. Wing, <laughs> I'd love to hear a little bit of your story as well. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, thank you, Amandi, and, and for sharing. I think uh, in a lot of like queer Christian stories, like there's a lot of common threads. And uh, in some ways, that's also similar for my story. I, I grew up in Hong Kong. Uh, my parents were not religious at first, but then they started going to church 
when I was around four. So in a way, I grew up also in the in a Christian community. I feel like I had to be a certain way to to be good. Like I wanted to climb the the, the goodness ladder. I wanted to be the best I can, and so. I think I know about my gender identity also when I was really young. I know that's not the same for other transgender Christians or just transgender people in general, but for me, it's pretty early. And I think when I was young, I feel like I, I can really express that, that, you know, I, I went around and I told my friends, like I said, oh, I, I think I'm a boy on the inside. And, and I, I don't know if anyone understood what I was trying to say. I think some people ran away. Um, it caused a lot of conflict between me and the people around me in my church because I was deeply involved in the Christian community. I was uh, leading certain aspects in the community. And yeah, I actually didn't have anyone around me to tell me that it is okay or even it is good to to be different, to be who you are, to to have a certain gender identity or to have a certain sexuality. I really didn't have a strong affirming force around me, and yeah, it was a it was a very difficult time. And I even when I was seeked out for therapy, I I think that slowly got me into depression. And when I started seeking therapy, I got connected to a therapist who was not uh, fully affirming. And unfortunately, I didn't know at that time, and they don't really say that explicitly that they don't affirm. But they also didn't affirm. And when they didn't affirm me for like two, three years, I suddenly realized one day that they're not affirming. But I did a lot of incognito Google search that maybe uh, other people like Andrew and many also did. I looked up uh, queer and Christian and started reading a lot of articles, theological arguments. But I think at the end, what really... Um, uh, did it for me or that I felt comfortable being myself is my personal conversation with the God that I knew. And I struggled for maybe two, three years that if this God is the God that I knew, he would never made a mistake. I never thought that he would Amen. make a mistake. Yes. God, God would never make a mistake. I don't know about you, but um, I've had a chance to look at this video about 10 times, and every time Wing says, I think I'm a boy on the inside, I just want to reach in and grab her and hug her and affirm that moment for her, um, for him, sorry, misgendered her, sorry, for him. God would never make a mistake. Amen. All of our beloved friends in that video were, like the eunuch, seeking answers. Seeking answers. For them, it meant Google searches and alternative ways of reading uh, accepted but harmful traditional interpretations, like the eunuch living in that dynamic of sensing God's approval and love for them, but still wondering if they belong. If I am known, will I still be loved and accepted? The gospel's answer is yes. Yes. So, it is my privilege to put on my resurrection glasses and say to our LGBTQ friends, and others who have been marginalized, you are the beloved child of God. You are crucial. 
to, every, to, our, to our being everything God is calling us to be as God's presence in this world and ensuring God's goal of wholeness for all. In this room, you will not be made to feel like units who have not yet met Philip. And from the founder of this church and the senior pastor for a few, a little while longer, <laughs> who had to go on his own journey and is still on that journey, of consistently putting on those resurrection glasses. Please hear from me this morning. Your sexual orientation, your gender identity, your intersexuality, your sexual ambiguousness is not an occasion for shame, but an occasion for the celebration of the beautiful diversity God has infused this world with. You are not deviant, you are not perverted, you are not abnormal or broken because of this anyway. You are the beautiful creation of God and an unfolding miracle of His unfathomable creativity, full stop. Philip in this church invites you to be baptized if you haven't. We'll get a little puddle of water and stuff, how about that? And if you have been baptized, to find yourself in this community to be completely accepted and invited to join fully and to participate in this mission. And the question is, who else wants to play the part of Philip? Simply coming alongside those who are wondering if there is room for them and saying, yes, here you belong. It's life-saving work to be engaged in this. So we asked our panel what their experience was of people in their life who welcomed their whole selves into spiritual community, and here's what they had to say. Thank you so much um, for your sharing. And, you know, one thing that I heard from each of your stories was that there was this point at which you kind of realized, I need to kind of, I'm, I'm alone, right, in this journey. Was there someone in your life who, who was sort of running alongside your chariot, so to speak, um, to, to say like, hey, hey, there is, you can be your whole self, that there is a place for you in God's embrace? Yeah, I think from my journey, like, different people came along at different times to show me different things when i like started like questioning like the, going in different communities people would show me different pieces i think it's also based on like what i asked and i think in the beginning like i felt like well first of all i didn't know what to ask i remember like you know meeting uh another uh trans man that's uh who's also christian and then he would just tell me how excluded he is from his family, how cut off he is. And then he would uh, send me a, a card uh, uh, and then he would say, uh, feel free to be who you are. You should always, uh, you know, find that strength and, and things like that. At the end for me, it was the collection that I felt like I was held by individuals that felt like, um, a community and they all have like very similar um like energy of just being very supportive and very personal and very genuine so yeah. Yeah. thank you it's a reminder to us that we don't necessarily have to be all in with one person but it's enough even to offer what we have um to kind of 
um, be a part of maybe a, a multivocal person, right? And in, um, in the body of Christ, in that sense, um, to to reiterate and build on what folks have um, heard in other spaces that all of who they are um, is there is space for that, um, even if it doesn't always uh, seem like it's evident. Um, Amanda, I'd love to hear who was someone for you. Yeah. Um, so I had mentioned that um, I had like made a syllabus for myself and um, was kind of going through that. But then during that year, I also um, was a part of like a New Begin or a Faith and Justice Network, but formerly known as the New Begin House um, cohort. Um, it was an online cohort. Um, and that really just kind of accelerated, I think, my ability to be able to like accept and affirm myself. Because um, I think I, I had come to a point of like, um, being affirming for queer people and like real, recognizing it as like an issue of justice and issue of inclusion. Um, but I was kind of like, okay, but I'm bi, so I don't have to, I can just date men. I don't have to tell anyone about this. I can just continue to, to do what I've been doing. Um, but through the, the New Begin House uh, cohort I was part of, we had um, a couple in-person sessions in San Francisco. And that was the first time that I met like other out affirming queer Christians in real life. Um, I had one like gay Christian friend at home, but we were in very similar places of like just being sad about being gay and being Christian. Um, but so I, I met other uh, queer Christians in real life and that really um, allowed me to see like what their lives looked like because they were, it, it was a lot of um, queer women. Um, we also had like gay men and like a, a trans people in our group. And that was like amazing to me that even just like the breadth of sexuality and like gender identity that we had in the group. Um, but being able to like see their lives and see that they were like partnered or married or single and they were like very much still very faithful and like joyful and, and flourishing and we had a lot of similarities in our stories growing up as far as like the things that we wrestled with and um i honestly was just like hanging around their conversations and asking them questions and um you know at, at one point uh it, it was like me and two other queer women and one of them they were talking about their own like uh, journey of sexuality and just kind of affirming themselves and then they kind of you know turned toward me and was like so what about what about you and I was like yeah actually like the reason I'm eavesdropping on your whole conversation is because I am um struggling with my own sexuality and um yeah so it was it was great to just like see again seeing what was possible and like the lives they were living of people that were like a little bit older than me or like had come out and like had had done the things that I was scared to do mm -hmm. and seeing that they had done them and were living like really great lives as a result. And like, I think that was what, um, yeah, kind of enabled me to be like, okay, if, if I want that, like I can have that and it doesn't make me any less good. It doesn't make me any less of, you know, a child of God than I already am. Thank you. When I first uh, heard this question, I thought, well, there isn't really anyone specific that comes to mind, but just in the course of our conversation, my youth pastor from like middle school came mm. to mind. And some of the memories that, that were triggered for me were that like, even before I knew, I knew I was gay, there were people in my life that started to know. Um, and so I have memories of like being bullied for being gay in middle school by like other kids in the youth group and like I didn't understand what they were talking about and mm -hmm. I remember confiding in him and he just created space you know 
for me, like, in a way that, like, I, I didn't understand exactly what was going on at that time. I didn't understand mm -hmm. what was going on in, uh, in myself. I didn't understand what other people were seeing in me. Um, so some of the first, you know, bits of acceptance that I experienced in my life from a Christian were this middle school youth pastor that I had. Mm -hmm. um, and just kind of like in reflecting on this, th there are ways in which, like, again, we, we didn't talk that often, but there were ways in which um, I think the spirit was moving through that relationship. I mean, for me, certainly. And, and the thread that's interesting to connect there for me is that the reason that I'm at City Church is because of that middle school youth pastor. Um, you know, we checked in, you know, a little bit before I moved to San Francisco and I happened to ask him, do you know anyone out there? <laughs> and so it was a conversation with him that happened uh, just before I moved to San Francisco where he connected me with someone in the Bay Area who I had a conversation with that was like, Andrew, I hear what you're looking for and you have to go to City Church. So, you know, this really interesting thread of someone that, you know, I think the spirit was really moving through that relationship. He was, you know, pursuing me in a way, um, in a way that really encouraged me, even if I didn't always realize it. Um, you know, the first bits of acceptance that I received, the first bit of affirmation, I think, that I received from a Christian. I could just kind of wrap up though, like to, to say like to, you know, today's Pride Sunday, you know, it's, it's important and good to be out there celebrating both as folks who are in support um, and al identify as allies and those obviously like who are like ready to, to sort of celebrate the, the protest um, and the struggle. Um, but also like as we think about what does it mean to sort of multiply pride right throughout the year and to multiply the stories that we've even just heard heard in this space um, and maybe decrease the pain and increase um, the joy. Um, what I heard from both from everyone in one version or another was both the importance of creating space where people could feel that they can fill the space that is theirs to fill rather than sort of being told this is the only way that you can be. Um, so just kind of a, a sort of spaciousness, right? So maybe that's something that those of us who identify as straight um, can sort of think about. How can we create, be spiritually hospitable, right? Um, even if we don't always, because I think that's kind of generally a good rule of thumb anyway. Um, but then the other piece, what I hear the invitation um, for other folks who identify as queer and, and are in a place where they're ready um, to do so is to share your story, right? To, to, to share what your journey has looked like so far, because even if you're not that far along, you're probably further along than someone else. And, um, so whatever we can do to kind of create space for those stories to be amplified and to be heard. Um, and some of us are in a position to do that more than others. And for, the, and, and then for those um, who have those stories that are, that will be life-saving. When I think about this passage, it's, it's this kind of dual piece of like being willing to share your story. And then also being someone who will run alongside that chariot and say, I want to hear your story. Like, let's, let's, you know, get you in um, so that more people can know that um, God's table is ever expanding um, and there is a seat for everyone. Thank you so much for sharing.
God's to yes, go ahead, absolutely. It's a picture of the church there. I love Emily's words where she says, God's table is ever-expanding, and there is a seat for everyone. And notice, as we close out here, that in that story, Philip also has something to share. Philip told him about Jesus, about God come down to us, becoming one of us, being excluded so we could be included, being crushed so we could be made whole, about a lamb who was slain, who was a leper to leper, a eunuch to eunuchs, who became unclean so we could be clean. It's the gospel of grace that was shared with the eunuch, and the water of grace was applied. And the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. It, wouldn't that be the best possible slogan for a church? If you come here, we want to send you on your way rejoicing as a result of us gathering together. Amen. Mm, so good. Let us pray. Gracious God, sign us up for this work. Sign us up for the work of proclaiming that the good news is so much better than it has been made to be seen by others, that it is so much more generous and expansive and empathetic and loving and patient. And Lord, we do need your eternal patience with all of us. And we are so glad we have it. We are so glad that you call us along into your mission to be a part of telling people that there is a seat for everyone at your table. Give us grace to bask in that, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.